The book of Haggai, chapter 1. Haggai, the first chapter. And I would like to begin reading with just number 1, and we'll read down a few verses. I'll conclude with verse number 14. But it says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judea, and to Joshua the son of Joshadek, the high priest, saying, Thus saith, or thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. And you run every man unto his own house. And then skipping down to verse number 14, the scripture says, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts their God. And in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king, it happened. And everybody said, Amen. I want to speak to you for a few moments today about the conflict of recovery. The conflict of recovery. God helped me to do that. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. The life of the children of Israel is an invaluable source of learning for all of us today. And we must never discount the passage of the Old Testament because it is old. There is something new in every word, every time that you read it. And this is what we must always keep in mind, is that what Israel was in the flesh, we are now in the Spirit. And their life and their life experiences 
so closely parallel the things that we encounter in our daily lives and in our present experience. They correspond with the human experiences of frustration and failure and disappointment and even disillusionment. And there is a growing similarity between what happened in the hour of Haggai and what is happening in the hour that we now live. And though this story is ages old, there abides an everlasting and spiritual message that I would pray God would help me deliver to you this morning. It had been 17 years since the edict of Cyrus the king had been given to grant permission to these exiles in Babylonian captivity to return to their home and rebuild their temple and rebuild their homes. After 60 or so years of captivity, I can only imagine the excitement that was in the air as they began to make preparations for the journey back to their homeland. Lost hopes had been revived, and according to the psalmist, I believe the harps that had been hung on the willows were once again taken up. And they rejoiced as they returned to their beloved land. Their dreams were becoming a reality, and all of the prophecies of old were becoming a fulfillment to them in their day. Isaiah in particular had prophesied of this day and he had drawn a dazzling vision of restoration for God's people. There was the triumphal progress of Israel from exile back into their promised land throughout uh, or, or through the desert land. Jerusalem would be resplendent once again with the glory of God and the nations of the world would be so envious of their happiness that they would vie with one another to show their honor to Israel and their recovery. God had offered them the greatest opportunity that can be afforded anyone and that is the opportunity of recovery of regaining what has been lost or taking back what has been somehow misplaced in life to return to their beloved land and claim those things was a great privilege. And immediately they set out to do exactly that upon their arrival back in the land of Israel, they commenced the process of rebuilding and recovering and reclaiming and restoring and all of the labors that went into their efforts, I am certain, were done with a certain amount of fervor. But it wasn't long until the wheels came off of their efforts and suddenly things began to slag in their life and their endeavors and disappointments began to show up and uh, problems occurred that they had not anticipated. And uh, suddenly the vision that Isaiah had had 
of their day seem so different than the present reality and the present conflict. What they were experiencing at that moment was so different than the glory that Isaiah had prophesied. And they had certainly seen better days. And they might have known what they needed to do, but there was a sluggishness that took over and they, they neither had the will nor the desire to continue this effort of recovery. And so they began to pursue other interests and they left the house of God. They built their homes and they lived in their paneled rooms. But the house of God lay dormant and unrepaired. There was an outward prospect that contradicted their spiritual poverty. There was a lot of movement still going on in the land, but there was not much accomplishment. The contrast between the promise of God and the reality that they sank into and began to live with was quite stark. Between their coming out of exile and their living in promise was a great void and a disconnect from what they had thought it would be. And so God sent a man into their lives with a message that was designed to produce a stirring, to reactivate these people and to motivate them and pull them out of the doldrums and summons them from their slackness and their softness and awake something in them. And he called out to them for them to consider their ways and consider the times and look at what's happened and look at where you are in respect to where God said you should be or where God said you ought to be. And in that message, he began to stir a fire within the people of God that was greatly needed. For these people had stalled and something had to arouse them. They were frustrated and they were disillusioned. They were disappointed and they were disheartened. There were so many things about their efforts that they did not understand. They didn't feel like that it was the way it ought to be, but they didn't know what to do to make it right. Their return may have been birthed in a spirit of revival, but they may have been born in the fire, but they were now living in the smoke. They had lost their spiritual ideals and they had lost their joy and they had lost their song and they they had lost that zeal that had promoted them to come back in the first place and the fire had died out in their soul. You wouldn't have recognized the movement at that moment when Haggai came on the scene. You would not have recognized it to what Isaiah had prophesied it would look like. These men had lost their faith. There was nothing thrilling about what they were doing. There was nothing exciting. Their opportunity of recovery was slipping away from them and the promises were unfulfilled. And no one believed very much anymore and no one thought anything could really change the situation. 
they had abandoned their pioneering spirit and they had given in to the pressures of the day. And so Haggai stepped into their midst and in that atmosphere of indifference, he began to speak to them and stir them and challenge them and shake them, awake them. Consider where you are. Look at what's going on in your life. Look at where you ought to be. Remember what God promised. Look at how far you are. Don't be satisfied with this because this is not that. This is not what God said he would do for you. And you cannot be satisfied with this when that is still available. Amen. And so the preacher preached just like I'm trying to do this morning to stir some people to awake them. He spoke to them about their calling and who they were and they were moved. The Bible said they were stirred. Something happened as I, as Haggai began to re, recall to them these things and bring their mind back into focus. The redemption of the lost momentum began to be regained and suddenly there was a new enthusiasm and there was a new heart to rebuild and, and these people who had given up, these people who had been frustrated and aggravated and disappointed and disheartened and disillusioned, they suddenly put their hand back to the plow and they began doing and pursuing what God had called them to do. And they were able to rebuild what God had said they could rebuild and they saw the promises of God fulfilled. But when I read this the other day, I had to stop and ask myself, God, what was it that frustrated them in the first place? What was it that caused them to stop in their efforts along the way? What happened to them? Why was there this conflict? What got in the way of their recovery? What brought about the disillusionment? What caused them to lose faith? What caused them to slacken their hand and their effort? What was it that happened when they got back to the land of promise that they had not anticipated? What did they encounter there? What went on there that they had not counted on having to deal with? And so God began to take me through the Word and began to show me the things that they encountered, the conflict that they encountered on the road to recovery. And it's the same conflict that some of you are involved in right now. Some of you that are ready to give up and you're ready to quit and throw in the towel. God sent a messenger to you this morning to tell you that it's not time to give up. It's not time to quit. It's time to pick up what you had in your hand before and get busy doing what God called you to do. At that moment, the external semblance was being kept, but the fire was gone. And the disappointing years had brought on them a lack of desire on many fronts. But what caused that? What caused them to lose their fervor? When they came out of exile with such hopes in their heart and such faith that God was with them, He had 
produced a miracle. He had brought a king to the throne that loved them and thought well of them and gave them favor where all of the others had oppressed them and put them down. What was it that was in the heart then that suddenly vanished as they began to go about the day-by-day task of recovery? What happened to these people who marched out of Babylonian captivity and back into a broken-down Jerusalem with one thing in their mind, and that was to rebuild and to fulfill every word that God had prophesied would happen to them? And God began to show me that the things that happened to them are the things that are happening to some of us right now. And they are the conflicts on the road to recovery that every soul will encounter when they try to take hold of something. Rebuild a a family. Rebuild a home. Rebuild your life. Rebuild a dream. Try to recover something that's lost. There's a conflict that's always going to arise. And that conflict begins with this. When Israel got back into the land of promise and they began to set about the task of rebuilding the temple, the first thing that they discovered is that the job was going to be harder than they anticipated. It was going to be harder than they had thought it was going to be. I I don't know what they thought it was going to be like, the rebuilding of their life and their structure and all that 50 or 60 years of bondage had taken away from them. I don't know what they had in mind when they walked back into that city and began the process of rebuilding. But somewhere along the way, something reached into their heart and snatched that vision out of there. It snatched that desire. It took out of them the heart and the will to keep doing it. And I believe the first thing they ran into was the difficulty of rebuilding, the difficulty of trying to recover, the difficulty of trying to get back what you've lost. It's always a lot harder to regain than it is to maintain. It's harder for you to take back what you lose than it is to keep what you have. And they discovered when they got back there that it's a lot harder to do these things than they had imagined it to be. And when people begin to try to rebuild their lives or their marriage or their home or their whatever it is, they run into a roadblock. They run into a conflict. It's hard. I've told young couples this. And I've tried to tell seminar people this when I've taught marriage seminars. That marriage is a lot harder than anybody ever thought it would ever be. Nobody dreamed that when they said, I do, and I love you, that when they walked out that door, it would be as hard as it would be when you have two people that come from two different planets that think in two different ways, and we're supposed to come together and be one. It's a hard job to do that. And so when we run into that difficulty, what our world has done is give up and throw in the towel and say it's too hard. I can't do that. And that's why recovery never comes. That's why we stay frustrated. That's why people stay aggravated and broken because the job is a lot harder than they thought it was going to be. It was a lot more difficult 
to put those things back together than it was to hold them together. There was a succession of bad seasons, evidently. When they got back to the land, you know, when you leave something vacant for 60 years, I mean, imagine taking people out of a land and for 60 years the fields aren't plowed. The rose gardens aren't trimmed. The fruit trees aren't maintained. Can you imagine how many of you let your yard go two weeks? You know what happens in two weeks. Imagine 60 years. And here they come marching back into the promised land. And the grass is taller. And the weeds are more prolific than the fruit. And it was hard to find the material to even start rebuilding. I mean, you had to dig through a lot of rubbish. You got to dig through a lot of trash. You had to step over stuff. You had to get her because Jerusalem had been torn down. It had been broken to pieces. And when they got there, 60 years of neglect was all around them. And they didn't anticipate that. They didn't think it would be that hard. They didn't realize that the weeds were going to be as high as they were. And the trees were going to be as unmanageable. And so, according to Scripture and according to history, they had several years of failure in their crops. Because every time they pulled one weed up, another one grew right back in its place. And you know what? After a while, you pull up the same weed. You think, I'm, I, this is sick. I'm tired of this. But that's what it takes to rebuild. That's what it takes to recover. You see, we never know what the enemy does when we vacate something. When we leave something, when we walk away from something, we never know what the enemy comes in and does while we're absent. And the, all, all of the things that he will put into and sow into that so that when you do try to recover, it'll be so hard. It'll be so challenging. It'll be such a, a difficult task that when you get into it, something in you just doesn't have the heart to keep going. It's a lot easier to give up than it is to go on. It's a lot easier to quit than it is to face the issues and say, no, we got to keep digging. No, we got to keep pulling. No, we got to keep fighting. No, we can overcome this. We can beat this. We can do better than this. We can have something if we'll keep working at it. But we live in a culture that's too easily to give up. And when we run into a wall, we want to turn and walk away because it's harder than we thought it was going to be. The conflict of recovery is that it's harder than any of us ever thought it would be. That's why a lot of things fail in life because it's just too difficult. And we have too many failures. And we don't expect failures when you're living for God. I mean, when I'm serving God, I'm paying my tithes, I'm coming to church faithful, and I still have failure. Something's wrong, God. Am I talking to anybody today, or am I just talking to myself? Am I the only one that's ever thought that? You come, you do your best, and yet 
All of your labors seem to be fruitless. It doesn't seem like anything comes out of it. And so you get frustrated and you get aggravated and you get disillusioned. And you think, well, I, 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 didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I, I, didn't, I didn't know this was in the bargain. I didn't know this was part of the agreement. And, and so we, 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 get, we, we get angry because uh, the harder we try, the worse things get sometimes. And, and the we, more we pull up one day, the more it grows up the next day. And it's, it's like every day we wake up, we've got another challenge. And, and so we're just not up to that. And, and so Israel was. They, they got up one day and started pulling the weeds to get ready to rebuild. And when they walked back the next day, there were weeds growing right back where they'd pulled them up. And so they pulled those up. And, and, and they went home after a long, hard day of sweat and tears. And when they got back, there, there they are again. And the more they tried to work the field, the less it produced. And, and, and somehow, some way in all of that, they became like a lot of us. We just go through the motions. But the fire's gone. Oh, we show up to church. We don't miss church. But the passion and the burning hunger to do something for God is, is not there anymore. We even go through the mechanics of worship. And sometimes we let the mechanics satisfy the spirit. Because it's just too hard. It's too hard. <laughs> You know, to really press through and get a breakthrough, sometimes it, it takes a little sweat and it, it, it takes getting out of my comfort zone and it takes me putting aside my pride and, and realizing that there's nothing wrong with me when I run into a difficulty. I just have to understand that if that's what it takes to have a breakthrough, then I'll go through that because I want a breakthrough. I don't want to stop short of recovery. I don't want to come to the edge of promise and just stand and look at what could be and never experience what could be. I want to step into it. I want to enjoy it. I want everything God said to come to pass in my life. I want every word in this book to be true. And so in order for that to happen, I can't stop when I get frustrated. I can't stop when I get aggravated. I can't stop when I get disillusioned. I can't quit when I get disheartened. I've just got to understand that that's part of the conflict of recovery. And if I'm ever going to have a breakthrough, I'm I'm going to have to keep going. I'm going to have to keep digging. I'm going to have to keep reaching. Oh, hallelujah. 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 You gotta keep pressing. You gotta keep reaching. You gotta keep trying. You gotta keep going. You can't quit.
tell you what I think was one of the problems. Sister Kennedy, the longer they build, the more they realize this didn't look anything like that old temple looked. There was no semblance to the glory in this temple or this effort and that effort and that that temple back then was so different. And so when they looked at it, they thought, this is not, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't good enough. This isn't, doesn't compare with what I had. And so they gave up because what they were working on wasn't as good as what they had lost or it didn't seem to be that way. Or what they were working on didn't seem to have the glory and the luster of what they had lost. And so they got lost in their mind thinking, well, what am I doing? Why am I wasting my time and energy if this house is going to be less than that house? And so God had to speak to them in the second chapter and say, you misunderstand something. I'm not just looking at the building. I'm looking at the effort. I'm looking at the heart of a man or a woman that said, I don't care if it doesn't look like the former house. God called me to rebuild. And so I'm going to do the best I can to rebuild with what I've got. Because what I've got right now may not have been what I had back then, but I can still rebuild. I can still have a future. I can still have a hope. I can still have something with God's blessing upon it. And you know what God did? God said, I'll bless your efforts. I don't care if it doesn't look like that former temple. If you'll build it, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. I'm going to bless this house. I'm going to bless this effort. It doesn't look like it used to look. Come on. Keep building. My God, my God. My God, my God. If you'll just try, God will bless your effort. You know, sometimes we try to wait. we waste a lot of tr- time trying to capture what was. You can be seated for just a moment. We try to get back what we lost. You know what? It's impossible to do that. Once it's lost, it's lost. Now you can regain things in God, but when we lose something, we're not always going to get it back in the way that we had it in the beginning. But that doesn't mean that it's less or that it has any less importance to God. 
It's the effort that God was looking for. He said, I'm not so concerned about whether you think the beauty and the aesthetics of this house is as good as that one. What I want to see is your heart doing what I called you back here to do, and that's rebuild and recover and restore and get back your faith. Get back your spirit. Get back your fight. Get back your identity as my people. Remember who you are. You're not slaves anymore. You're my people. I've liberated you. Start living like a liberated soul. You may not have what you used to have, but use what you've got. Use what you have right now and let God bless what it is. And if you will let God have what you have, God will anoint it and God will bless it so that the latter house is greater than the former house. But we get, we get lost in what was. And there's a lot of people that live in the memories of old-time church, too, what we used to have. And people say all the time, well, we don't have them like we used to have them. You know what? I'm not even worried about that anymore. I, I don't know that we'll ever have them like we used to have them. First of all, we're not as poor as they used to be. And I think that had a whole lot to do with why they had more than what we have. And that was the second problem they ran into. All of a sudden, they began to prosper when they focused on themselves and forgot the house of God. They began to prosper. And prosperity made them soft. Prosperity took away from them the fire. They could be good Christians and not be too fanatical about it. They, they could be good churchgoers but not be too lost in their church going. They, they could come and put on a nice look and, 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 and talk the talk, but they didn't know how to walk the walk because they had lost something in their softness. They had lost something in their prosperity. But what they had back then had a lot to do with where they were as a people, and we can't recapture that. But what we can do, is reach into the glory of God right now and God can take whatever we have at this moment and make this as great and greater of that former house. God can do something today that will outshine anything He's ever done before. God can do something now that He's never done before because God doesn't have to repeat Himself. He's a God of omnipotence and God can do New things anytime he wants to. Amen. So quit trying to recapture what was and start trying to build what is because you're not going to be saved on what was. You're going to be saved on what is. What is going on right now? I'm battling but I'm still here. I've got a few problems, but I'm still digging. I've run into a few conflicts, but I'm not giving up. It's not been easy, but I'm not going to turn around now. I'm not going back now. I've come too far. 
Oh, God, that you would baptize. Oh, I pray last night, late into the night here in this sanctuary, that God would send an anointing into this place today. Something that would reach down into where we live and get a hold of us and begin to shake us. You see what happened? As it when Haggai started preaching, that word that he started preaching got down inside of Zerubbabel. And it got down inside of Joshua. And something begin to stir them. And they got up on their feet and said, yeah, yeah, you're right, preacher. We got to do something. We got to get back to work here. And then it became contagious when it went from the leader to the priest. It went into the people and they started getting excited saying, you know what? We don't have to have what we used to have. We can have God do a new thing. We don't have what was. We can have what is. And they begin to reach and pray and believe and expect. And God... Come on, stand to your feet right now. Come on, give Him praise right now. Hallelujah. Oh, God, help me today. Let something be ignited in us. A passion. Oh, God. God, that we would not give up. Even when we run into trouble. Even when we run into problems. Even when we are disappointed. Oh God, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on going. My God, I don't even know how how to close this service, Lord. We just need a sovereign work of your spirit right now. God, there are couples here this morning and there are individuals here today that are struggling. They've been trying to rebuild something. They, they've been trying to recover something. They've been trying to get something back that was lost. And everything seems to be against them. They have given up because the, the conflict was just too great. They've let go because it was just too hard. It was just too difficult. God, would you reach down in their soul right now just like you did when Haggai preached as I preach this word today, would you get down into the heart of somebody this morning and begin to shake them, begin to stir them? Oh, God, awaken something in them that would cause them to rise up and reclaim and to put their hand back on what you had said, to put your hand, their hand back on what you had promised them, to put their hand back on what you had called them to do, that in their efforts, however feeble they might be, their efforts are going to be a signal to you that they're not ready to give up. They're not giving up. They're not turning back. They're not going away. Oh, today, God, stir me. Stir me. Stir me. Stir me. Stir me. Oh, yes, stir me. Stir me. Stir me. Stir me. Oh, God, let something be awakened in my heart today. God, somebody, somebody that's give up. Somebody that's thrown in the towel. Somebody that said it's enough. Oh, I wish I had some Holy Ghost filled people here today that would begin to help me reach out to God right now. I wish somebody, 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 somebody would begin to cry out to God. Oh, sin revival. Sin revival, 
Ghost and revival. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, the altar call's already been given. If you're not going to come to the front and pray, then at least kneel where you are and pray. God, renew me. Help me to recover something today. Help me to recapture.